0: And every last Wednesday of the month at 10 o'clock, we have the honor of bringing in the superintendent of the Mankato Area Public Schools, Dr. Paul Peterson. Good morning, Dr. Peterson.
1: Karen, thank you. It is great to see you. Good morning. Good
0: morning. And I was just we were just chatting how the school year is going. And I said, well, I've got one in college here. My son Grant graduated from East last year in college. So far, so good. He's an adult now. He's 18, so I don't know how his schoolwork is going. He says he gets it done, so we trust him. (laughs) You know, at school, that's the one thing you guys keep the parents informed. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, and you know that the start of the school year, it's like being shot out of a cannon. I mean, whether it's higher education or K-12, I mean, that, that time when kids are back and teachers and staff are all locked in. It's and, and here we are. I mean, we're on the verge of October.
0: Right. And so how, so school started right after Labor Day. Right.
1: Yeah. So we're four, four three and a half weeks uh, in, uh, still kind of getting to our cruising altitude uh, with the school district, with our schools. But yeah, it's uh, it's been a g- great start. Really, really excited to um, kind of get past the last couple of school years. and um, Because yeah. it
0: was closed, essentially, or a lot oh, of it was closed.
1: Very, very challenging times. I mean, whether it was virtual or hybrid or um, kids mm-hmm. being gone because they were sick or staff members being gone, um, just really tough, stressful times. Or, and
0: Or kids learning from home and, and maybe they didn't have the encouragement to get sure. the work done. So a lot of kids kind of slipped maybe through the cracks a little bit.
1: Oh, I think if you look at all the different metrics, whether it's attendance or achievement or engagement, um, schools have a ton of work to do. Um, And, you know, we we had a guest speaker come in and talk with all of our district staff uh, right before school started. And he said, you know, if there's ever been a more glaring data that teachers are so needed and public schools are so needed, he said, just take a look at any of your data over the last few years as kids weren't regularly, um, if you weren't regularly in the face of kids and their families about their progress and their growth and their development. Um, we're, we're having to claw our way out of that, and we do it happily. But it's a it's a heavy load. But we're we're just so excited that we're back into a more regular routine.
0: And and I know there are people who got out of the teaching profession because it was so difficult oh. in that during that time period. In fact, I you know we have one uh, our 4-H agent used to be a teacher. Now yep. she just is like I'm done teaching, and now I'm going to do this. Um, she just started in. Um, in Nicola County, for example, mm-hmm. one of many I know. So how is the situation? Enough teachers, enough subs? And I know that's been a, a situation that's been really
1: tough. It really has, yeah. So, th- you know, thankfully uh, we are fully staffed with teaching. Um, so all of our sections are covered with qualified teachers. Um, and that's, that's a great position to be in because we know that not all schools are like that, and definitely not all states are like Minnesota, where we have um, that level of quality in our classrooms. Other positions within schools, support staff, paraprofessionals, uh, custodians, maintenance. you know We we struggle like a lot of industries are struggling right now with um, some people uh, taking a different view of, of or changing some lifestyles. But I think that back to your initial point about the stress of working in schools the last few years, Understandable and undeniable that there were some people who decided um, my satisfaction, my mental health, my happiness. Yes. Um, I need to get. I need to get at least a part of that through my work. And um, there, there were some really challenging environments that we were um, all foisted in. And uh, in today's more mobile uh, society, people are have made some different choices. We had about the same number of new teachers this year as we historically do. So we felt quite good about that. But um, with new staff comes new uh, opportunities to help uh, get them on a path f- so they can feel uh, good about what they're doing.
0: You mentioned things like paras and other support staff, and those are so such critical positions because uh, you and I have talked. My son, who ha- is on the autism spectrum, had one-to-one support up through the ninth grade, and then he had a shared para. Yeah. I mean, that was so critical to him in being successful. So, you know, the concern is what happens to some of those kids? They need that extra support. And, and so that's kind of frightening a little bit. Do they fall through the cracks? Or, you know, I'm sure you don't want them to, but. Right. Like, yeah.
1: Well, and so, and so when schools talk about being equity focused, you know, equity is about getting kids what they need. And whether it was your son, our son, I mean, our son had a one-to-one. He was more of a two-to-one oh. as he got older and older. And um, because that's what Evan needed right. um, for him to be safe. Um, and then for him to have some um, limited levels of success, when you don't have paras who are working, um, providing supervision, you know they're not they're not teaching, but they're they're providing supervision and they're working off of the direction of teachers. But it's absolutely critical. Yeah. Um, and so what we find ourselves doing is competing with other direct. Service providers or support providers within the community, people who maybe work in assisted living, people who work in daycares, um, and through the negotiations process in in wages. We, we know that rates of pay is a thing. I right. mean, we have had to be competitive. We're very thankful that we've successfully been able to negotiate some new agreements where we are making progress with our starting rates. Um, because we all see the signs. Everybody's looking for Everybody's looking for workers.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, you look into any nursing home or, or <laughs> care centers, those sorts of things, they yeah. are in the same situation.
1: Yeah. So we really um, want to make sure that when we're hiring people to come and work with schools, they understand it's a great environment. You get to be around kids, get to be around adults who love kids. Um, the hours are, uh, you know, right in that sweet spot of, of the workday. Um, very little weekend work uh, is happening uh, with uh, our support staff. And so, you know, we want to continue to promote and and hire people, but we also are looking for those best fits because uh, we can't just have, you know, we always say we can't just be looking for warm bodies to work with kids. These these people need to have special hearts uh, to really um, uh, make a difference in their lives.
0: Especially for some of the kids that maybe are more difficult. You bet. They're wonderful kids, but you've got to learn how to (laughs) interact with them. So it's yep. not an easy job.
1: That's right. Yep. There's a wide spectrum of kids who come into our public schools and uh, we serve them all. And from our highest flyers to the kids who struggle and for all of those uh, kids that are working their way through the middle. And um, so we've got spots for any adults who are looking to, to work in, in that environment. But we're, uh, we're really excited that even though short-staffed at the support level, um we're, we're often flying for the school year now.
0: Last night I was at a cross-country meet, my, my son runs as I chatted with you, yeah. and talk, talked with a high school teacher who was also a coach. And one of the things he said, he says, I don't know what happened in those two years, but some of the things like the AP chemistry or the, some of those other classes, he says so much was lost mm-hmm. during that time. And he said it's almost how do you even make up for that he said it's so difficult
1: right yeah and i think that what we talk about is you know the if we were to try to make up for lost years i mean you'd never you'd never get there yeah. and so in our schools and what our teachers are so skilled at doing is um, identifying what those what whether we call those essential learnings or power learnings or power standards teachers have really had to go back into their curriculum to say what's the must haves right and um, if, I mean, I'm a former teacher myself. I thought everything I did was must have in my right, room, sure. but but you got to be able to prioritize that. And that's what teachers are having to do, did last year, uh, you know, in, in in a very short turnaround time. And then this year, um, feeling better about where our kids came in, and our kids b- have bounced back academically, that's going to take us a while. But behaviorally and just the operations of the school, you know we heard a lot, and we saw a lot last year where kids, you know that, you know, one of the new words is dysregulated. Kid, you know, kids came back to school dysregulated. They just didn't quite have the same behavioral expectations or or just didn't know how to do school. They
0: were out of routine out of routine. yeah.
1: and uh, that was a common deal all year last year. and, Definitely, when you've got hundreds and hundreds, or when you're talking about our high schools, you know, over a thousand kids in those buildings, kids are gonna—they're gonna—not not not every student all the time is gonna be making the best choices, Mm -hmm. but we're seeing a significant decrease in that level of um, out of routine. They they have bounced back to how to do school, which uh, is great for then being able to focus in on some of the more academic elements that we know are so important.
0: Yeah, it seems like that's, I mean, my son having autism, getting out of routine is is just like disaster. Mm -hmm. But I mean, even I think just your non-autistic regular kids just having that much disruption can be a factor.
1: Well, and if you think about it, I mean, kids were, their schedules were were jilted. So some, Mm -hmm. you know, way back, you know, a couple years ago, we had kids on A and B days at the high school. Um, Some classes were meeting um, online. Some classes were hybrid. Some cl- some classes were in person. Uh, sometimes kids were in the room when they were healthy, but if they were unhealthy or uh, felt, or maybe they were a close contact, maybe they were fully healthy, but they were a close contact. And so and, kids and were... And way
0: back early on, everybody was oh, like, oh, you contacted, so everybody was out right? of school pretty yep. much.
1: Yep. Last year we had masking uh, in place for grades K through 8 for virtually, mm-hmm. you know, three-fourths of the school year. And so there's that element of, and and so all of the, the way that I've described to people, it's like white knuckle driving. So we've been able to do school the last few years, just like, I mean, you can drive through an ice storm or a snowstorm, but when you are just so tense (laughs) and your back hurts and you're just stressed out and you get home and you got a headache, our teachers, unbelievable work that they've done, but over the last two years, I mean, they've just been waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know, whether it's spreading the desks out or, oh, these six kids are gone now or, um, are they the mask police and who has their vaccine? I mean, all of that is just stress, which diverts people away from the joys of teaching. Why did they get in? They didn't get into it for any of those things.
0: Well, and I think a lot of, you mentioned this, uh, kind of alluded to this earlier, is the expectations were so different too, because I mean, I even know with our, our son, um, a lot of times you could be late with work and, you know, it seemed like it mm-hmm. wasn't a big deal. It's sort of like, oh, when you get it in, you get it in, you got a chance yep. to take it again. So the expectations weren't like, you're going to do this and get it done and move on. It was like there was all these second, third, fourth, fifth, yes. sixth chances because of COVID. It was always always because of COVID thing. And so that changed the mindset a little bit in it, a lot of them.
1: Unquestionable, Karen. And I think that now as we have come out of that... and. I mean, we we do have to acknowledge, we understand that COVID's still there and kids will likely get sick and they'll stay home, but then we'll welcome them back. But you're right. As we return and we reestablish those norms, we also need to reestablish those expectations because they were appropriate from when we first started in that COVID experience where, okay... Kids are going to have a lot going on in their life with their family, their parents' work, their caregivers, their Not knowing what's hybrid, be. Yeah. all of that. You know, so the, the word that was just used across society, which I tend to like, was, you know, giving people a lot of grace. Yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. You wouldn't get any argument from me on that. And now we also don't do our kids any favors if we are continually allowing them to shirk responsibility right. because- in your world, shirking your responsibility isn't going to go so well. No. Uh, and so we so schools need to help uh, teach those sort of life lessons about being accountable for your work, being responsible for the quality of your work, uh, getting things in on time, showing up when you said you're going to be there, following through, all, well, all of that. Even at the college
0: level, you know, a lot of times the, the test scores were ignored because, bef- mm-hmm. you know, before mm-hmm. it's like you had to have X score on the SAT or ACT or whatever to get into such and such a college. And then for a while, it's like there. a lot of the colleges, including MSU, was like, don't worry about it. You don't have to have that test or Mm
1: -hmm. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So, I mean,
0: it wasn't such a, a big deal back then.
1: Yeah. And so and we saw that in our testing over the last year now, as students returned to school, albeit it was very, very different and kids came back, you know, a little bit different, the achievement scores Weren't where we would want them to be. Yeah. We also weren't surprised. I mean, especially our teachers. When our teachers saw, you know, in in public schools, we take the MCAs. When our school teachers saw the MCA results of their kids, that was not a surprise. Um, They've been working their tails off with those kids. And now we understand that just accelerating that um, even more than we have been doing the last year is just so important. Because we do need to get our students. And Mankato, Mankato area teachers are Incredible. They know their standards in and out, um, but they also know that the social emotional needs of those kids in their rooms were um, had, to, had to take priority.
0: Well, let's talk a little bit about that because you recently you brought in a speaker to talk about suicide, thanks to the uh, the Hoffner family because they lost their daughter of a suicide when she was in, was it eighth, I think, seventh or eighth grade, I believe. Right, And, you know, very, very tragic, but it shows the the stress, the, you know, depression, anxiety, all the things that can affect kids, and, you know, they want to bring the awareness to that, and a lot of what happened during COVID, and it happens out of COVID as well, is... kids are under stress. And so that is something I know the school is working very hard is that mental health piece with the counselors and and trying to create awareness. And even this, I I can't remember the day, is it today maybe or Mm -hmm. this week that you're bringing that speaker back and I can't remember her name. Right. But she is talking about how she, as a teen, um, tried to commit suicide and she ended up paralyzed essentially Mm -hmm. and is, is basically trying to give that voice of hope and to ask for help and that kind of thing. How... It's so hard to address that, but it is such a huge issue.
1: It is hard to address. Um, we are so fortunate to be living in our community right now because the community has stepped up to say, even though this is going to be a difficult conversation, we're going to do it. Um, and so hats off to the Hoffners. They, they, yes. they, they, do, they, they understand a grief that so many of us have no underst- could, could not possibly comprehend. Um, and mental health is health. And I think that as we continue to try to break that stigma, this is one way that we can do it: suicide awareness, suicide prevention. Emma Benoit um, is right. the is the name of the young adult. And I was
0: looking. Yeah, it's today. Wait, it's today and it tomorrow actually for grades nine through twelve.
1: It is right. So Emma was here a couple weeks ago and did some suicide awareness prevention um, and uh, shared her documentary called My Ascension. Um, that was at East High School. There's over 150 people who are at East on this beautiful Saturday afternoon to learn from Emma, watch her documentary, ask questions. Um, we cannot g- go too far without acknowledging the the United, the United, Greater Mankato United Way right. has just done Supporting. an incredible job of convening this and understanding that, how important it is. So, yes, Emma's back today and tomorrow. Um, she'll be at East today, and she'll be at West tomorrow. Um, And then also, Emma is also going to be um, holding another community event tonight at at West High School. It's going to be very similar to what happened at East a couple weeks ago. Um, And that really is an acknowledgement of, you know, our community has been going through a couple rough patches here in the last week to 10 days. And Emma, her organization, uh, Greater Mankato United Way, wanting to Capture the moment, and making sure that our community knows that there are resources out there, and um, so the the, so is that
0: tonight open to the public? Then
1: that's wide open to the public. So give the
0: details about that so people want to go to yeah. So
1: this is a free event that'll happen at West. Um, the uh, The date can be found on our. I'm sorry, the date is tonight. It's 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 on Wednesday. The time um, is on our web is on our website. Um, But this will be an opportunity for any community member student, adult, business owner, it doesn't matter who it would be in our community, to go to West, and there will be a a screening of Emma's documentary called My Ascension. It's 90 minutes long, and after the documentary, there will be a panel discussion um, to talk about uh, suicide prevention, suicide awareness, warning signs, um, people to follow up with Emma. She is a inspirational individual. Um, she is somebody that, in her darkest time, has found uh, a new purpose of living. And we also know that the, the presentations at East and West over the next two days are going to be very powerful. Um, that those aren't the sorts of things that you can just put in front of kids and then have them go back to class. We need to make sure that our support staff, our social workers, counselors, uh, mental health therapists, psychologists are available for our kids but
0: because, you know, there's people who say, oh, you bring that up and then they'll, you know, you'll get more suicides, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. And I know there's always that concern right. because I know we as a, a parents got a thing, uh, notes from the school saying, if you do not want your child mm-hmm. to attend this, et cetera, so you could opt out of that.
1: Right. Yeah. And and that's always going to be something that we leave to kids and to their parents. Um, but we just feel so strongly that not talking about it, not acknowledging it, it's a real, real issue. Not here in the greater Mankato area or not just in the state of Minnesota. All over. This is national it probably international. I don't know. I mean, it's the the idea of taking one's own life has become um, something that just cannot be ignored any longer. And there have been people who have been working in the suicide prevention space for decades and decades and decades. But whether it's COVID, whether it's society in general, whether it's the angst of coming out of some really turbulent times, we have a lot of young people who, um, need to hear a message of hope. They need to hear that there are people who care for them, love love them, and that there are resources right here in our community that they can reach out to completely confidentially to um, get the help and support that uh, they need to help prevent the, these just terrible tragedies from occurring.
0: And, and I think they need to know that mental illness is a disease, mm-hmm. and you know that it there is treatment and that sort of thing. I, I don't know if I mentioned this. I had a, um, my niece, she was 35 years old. She um, overdosed. It was mm. might have been suicide. I don't know, but mm-hmm. she was men- mentally ill mm-hmm. uh, in, in April. And I mean, through the years, we've been trying to get all kinds of help for her. And eventually I knew I would hear that call one day. Yep. Um, and, and sadly enough, and the medicines and things didn't work for her. But, you know, for a lot of people, that can make a huge, huge difference is to get that help that you need.
1: Well, and we are, we continue to be such a visual society. And so when we talk illness or when we talk about health, if someone has a broken arm or if they're in a wheelchair. You get it fixed. Yep. Or if they have, if there's something that you can see that there is, um, like they acknowledge, oh, that person isn't well. A lot of mental illness doesn't show up that way. Um, it's invisible. Right. And And so sometimes
0: you don't know even know you have it because you're just like thinking, why do I feel so horrible about myself?
1: Right. So we have to trust that when people say that um, this isn't just having a bad day and this isn't just having a bad week, but there's and and working with their medical providers about depression and anxiety and suicide ideation, um, that's part of the stigma where not in today's world, but you know, quite it, it wasn't too long ago where people, you know, would say things like, oh, come on.
0: Pull yourself up yeah. by your bootstraps, straps, yeah. blah, blah, get, blah. Get
1: it together. Yeah. And um, while some of that encouragement can be helpful, we also need to understand that this is, we're, we're talking health. We're talking illness that people need help with. And I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm not a medical doctor. I don't know if it's always medication, but there Sometimes are. Sometimes it is. There, are, all, there There's are other things you can. There are other things and there are resources that we need to make sure that our kids especially Know are out there for them, so they don't feel alone.
0: Absolutely, and so, and you had West High School parking lot. There was an incident where a young man shot himself, I believe.
1: We had a we've had a a couple really um, well, you know, a week plus of some really tough uh, situations at West. Um, You know, we had that we had a medical emergency there um, in one of our auxiliary parking lots um, a little over a week ago now, and that was followed the next day by a uh, soft lockdown, actually a hard lockdown, um, with a this um, hoax, yeah, this, this so-called swatting Active incident. shooter,
0: yeah, yeah. So then the school cl- closes down, and the students, I'm sure, it's got to be just very frightening because you have to lock it down because... Well, there's a shooter in the school, but there's something like you said. It's called swatting, and apparently it wasn't just West.
1: It wasn't, and this is really interesting, and it's it's infuriating. But but there, this happened across you know, probably yep across, yeah. about a dozen public schools, public high schools um, in the state received uh, an anonymous call, but the call was pretty specific, um, which got local public safety, local law enforcement attention, mm-hmm. um, and. You know, the silver lining in all that is that the plans and procedures work because those buildings locked down. Public safety was in communication with the school district immediately. And if anybody was driving around West High School that morning, that Tuesday morning, they saw what happens in an active, or a potentially active shooter environment. That was not a drill. There were people that that school was surrounded by cops. And thankfully, it was a hoax. But inside that school, nobody knew that. Right. Nobody knew that that was a hoax. All they knew that they were in a lockdown, they were going through their procedures, which, like I said, can't can't say enough. Our teachers, our staff, our administrators, and our kids especially, they followed the protocols. But
0: they they do those as drills at at points, too, sadly, that that's something we have to do. used to be tornado drills used to be the thing, and now we have to do this kind of drill, too. But this was... So for all they knew, it could have been a drill.
1: That's that's right. It was, unfortunately... We've got practice with these things, and we yeah. practice them just like fire drills. Um, we were able to relatively quickly, not quickly enough, not not quickly for anybody's uh, peace of mind, but in a relative uh, appropriate amount of time, we're able to identify that it was, in fact, a hoax. Uh, the building still needed to be swept, though, yeah. room by room. And that sweeping is going to happen from police officers, and police officers don't mess around. They're not going in. Um, you know, waving at kids and giving high fives. They are on a mission to make sure that they that school is safe. So our Department of Public Safety in the city of Mankato, um, we work with them hand in glove. From you know the chief Amy Vocals, uh, her her director she is an outstanding director Matt DeRose as an assistant, and then Justin Newman works very closely with our schools. They are top notch partners. Um, communication has been excellent, and then you know our role then is to help make sure that we get information out to our families. That's Timely, but most importantly, is accurate because, as you <laughs> know, in the media world, social media oh. goes bananas.
0: Right. And then one thing, somebody hears something and then it's all over and pretty soon people think it's true.
1: Yep. Yep. I mean, we, we, we've heard any number of different stories about what happened in the West parking lot or what was really going on in the school and what about, what about, what about, all, with, what, all of it being just speculation. Right. But that swirl, incredibly unhelpful. Um, but then also creates an unsettledness within your community right. about like, wh- why isn't anybody telling us what's happening? Well, why the re- are they
0: keeping it from us? <laughs>
1: the reason why th- that information is not because the people are working to keep your kids and your staff safe, number one. And then the information that comes from your school and public safety will be the most accurate um, that you get. <laughs> and it won't come from Twitter and it won't come from Facebook. Right. It will come from the, uh, the the people within those schools uh, or within the division, like in this case, public safety, just, um, I mean, they just just nailed it. And it was, uh, unfortunately, it was a great opportunity for us to learn, you know, some things that go well. We'll make some tweaks to our protocols like we always do, but um, uh, hopefully we don't have to do that again because something like a hoax.
0: Well, that's like crying wolf. Like you hear that thing, well, then it's like crying wolf and then pretty soon people get desensitized and it's like, well, this is just another it's not real kind yep. of thing. And and so that is the most dangerous thing that can happen,
1: I yep. think. It it really is. And uh, just that like I said, that unsettledness with your kids and with your staff members and then but also with the greater community, wondering, are our schools really safe? And the answer to that is yeah, they they really are safe. Um when things when things appear unsafe or when things uh, need to be addressed, that's when we go into action like we had to do last Tuesday.
0: Paul, does this make you the school board or whomever, I guess the powers that be look and say we need different policies? Do we need to scan bags at Mm -hmm. the door? You know, all those kinds of things that it brings up for security and safety Mm -hmm. issues. Do you talk about those things now? You say, yeah, this was a hoax, but what if? What do we need to do further?
1: We we talk about it all the time. And what what an event like that tells us, or what it demonstrates to us even more, is that we've got to get more serious about our entrances in some of our schools. Um, the West High School entrance is unacceptable in today's in today's age. Okay. Um, you know, we we have a buzzer system, or you know, the kids come in a front door, and we've got a we have an, an attendant there to check. You know, who are you? Where are you going? What's what's your business here? Uh, but that is not a single point of entry that's not a secure entrance so they
0: don't have a single point at this point
1: no they don't east, the high, east, does, right? east high does east high school does so if anybody look at going to east high school that is how schools today need to be designed to keep kids safe and the, quite honestly we've got similar challenges at multiple elementary schools so, so, so what that, hap-
0: what happens now what what do you do is is, is the school Staff as the the board, or who does something about this?
1: Well, yes, the the board, myself, and our team uh, need to do something about it. We're going to need the community's help, though, because in order to put up those sorts of um, secure and safe entrances. That's going to require community dollars. That's going to require a bond referendum. Also,
0: it's going to inconvenience people. And sometimes people don't like to be inconvenienced because, well, I've always gone in this store. And now, <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, that, that that stuff does come up. It's like, well.
1: It does. It yeah. does. And, and like, like we've said a few times, unfortunately, that's, that's the environment that we live now. Yeah. And so it may take a few more steps to get that backpack to your kid or to get the lunch money to the uh, cafeteria or whatever your business is in a school. But first and foremost, when a kid comes to school, they and their parents and staff need to have high, high levels of confidence that that's a safe, welcoming, productive environment. And so the biggest thing that we can do as a community is take a look at our facilities and say... How do how can we make those safer? And one of the biggest ways we do that is right at the entrance, making sure that uh, we get those single points um, put in as many places as we can.
0: I mean, we even have at the university. You know, don't put a rock in the door to prop it open, for example, and people still do it. That kind of thing, (laughs) and it's very frustrating.
1: Right, and yeah, it's a convenience element, and um, and it's the convenience will trump safety and security until something happens. Something that something happens, and it snaps you into a reality that. Um, we really need to be taking reasonable you know, action to uh, to do everything we can to keep people safe
0: Have you had students, faculty, or and/ or staff taking more advantage of the mental health services available at the school
1: without a doubt really with, with, without a doubt yes and and thankfully, over the years we 've been able to grow our mental health supports our social emotional supports for kids. Um, we have uh, you know significant numbers of social workers and counselors that are on staff in all of our schools every day. We also, though, over the last year have recognized we need to make sure that along with simply sending resources to teachers and staff, we need to be providing opportunities for them to be um, being mindful of and then uh, actually helping them through the steps to take advantage of some of the wellness and employee health benefits that are at their disposal because without uh, healthy staff,
0: Right. You're not uh, going to have a healthy school.
1: That's right. We're not going to we're not going to keep developing healthy kids if the staff is sick. Right. Um and so that it's it really does take both, and that's something that we're really uh, committed to doing this year. And we're going to be rolling out some teacher materials and supports uh, in the in the coming weeks.
0: Anything else? I know we're out of time, unfortunately. Uh, we're going to have you on every month, but the, a lot of things to talk about that happened over this past month. So there
1: is, you're right, and I think that as we as we get into this this next academic year, Karen, we you know talk enrollments, talk about academic achievement with kids, talk about the student wellness uh, themselves, and I also think that you know we'll have some big some big questions in front of our community. Over over the next year about facilities, as we we Mm. were alluding to. Um, We've got big, big concerns there. But we also have great opportunities to continue to invest in these great public institutions that we have in our region, and so I look forward to talking with you.
0: Well, I appreciate you coming in and discussing these hard topics because it's not easy, but yet I believe it's important, like you said, to to bring it it out and let people discuss it and uh, help to create better understanding for all.
1: Great. Great. Thank Thank, you. Thank you.
0: Dr. Paul Peterson, Superintendent of Mankato Area Public Schools. Always great to have you on the show.